every way you are packing away your sexuality and then suddenly you expect that okay you go into this bedroom and this person who loves you a lot and who's willing to do everything to get you an orgasm is not able to do it then you're just foregoing your part like can you take a responsibility for your orgasm I'm Rina Dipthianabil, aka Mummy Imperfect, and you are listening to The Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect, the podcast where you get your weekly dose of girl chat, the place where we celebrate and explore womanhood in all its forms. So this episode is all about sex, and I, I can't believe I'm saying the S word out loud because, you know, what would my mum think of that? I am Indian after all, right? And But why is it that in the country where the Kama Sutra came from, you can't mention S-E-X out loud, really. And what are the consequences of that, especially for Indian women? So today I am joined by Indian sex coach. She is going to answer all those questions and more. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect Pallavi. Hi, Reena. Thank you so much. And taking this up topic. No worries. It's nice to have you all the way from Delhi. <laughs> It's good. Thanks for joining me. So listen, your role as sex coach, do do you say sexuality coach or sex coach? I think it's interchangeably. Sometimes I just use the word sex just to make sure that people can talk about it. Look, sometimes I just want to use like a sex coach or a sexuality coach. Uh, Okay. Yeah. I mean, that is a uh, quite a unique profession, even in the Western world, in India, like it's uh, super unique. And I, I don't know any other Indian sex coaches. How did you get into that line of work? I mean, uh, frankly, I really uh, don't know the exact answer. But I think the only thing uh, that I had inside me was uh, I dared to question anything which was kind of, you know, indoctrinated. Like if I was told that I need to do this. So I would first try to understand why I need to do this. So Mm -hmm. when, uh, I mean, my own personal life, I think till the age of 32, I had no idea about uh, that there could be some profession. I was like, I was going through my own uh, personal issues in life, which was a sexless marriage. And I was quite sexually active before marriage. So I had the, like, you know, the taste of how it feels, uh, how the pleasure feels. And because of an emotional discord with my husband, I just couldn't bring myself to share my body with him. So I just created a physical distance between us. Like we we're more like a roommates. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is the arrangement is. And I was too uh, scared and I too, was too virtuous to get into an extramarital affair. So I was into a six-year sexless marriage. Now, uh, did you, did you try I, in the marriage? Did you, did you try and create that spark somehow or like you know what I mean there is no talk about it you know in in our society it is conditioned that everything is natural and everything is automatic so naturally there has to be compatibility or automatically there is no talk about you need to actively work on it no one talks about it. it's always given as an onus to the woman that she has to please her husband that's the yeah. learning I had in my head Mm-hmm. So by that, I thought I've already done my bit enough to please my husband and there's no like, you know, uh, possibility of any kind of uh, uh, mutuality in our expectations and our needs. So uh, like I was out of the marriage 
by then but i did not know i did experimental sexually a little bit where i i kind of gave my body like my body uh, you know was uh, like it was totally i mean when you are young like you are from 28 to 32 i had no sex like 28 29 30 31 32 and half so it's like five and half years i had mm-hmm. no sex and then when i had it so i realized I, now i did recall i remember i used to take more time to dress up or you know i used to look at myself in the mirror which i just stopped doing in the i would just yeah. do bare minimum to present myself in the office so i i realized that i also have a growing desire about myself because we talk so much about self love but we don't talk about self love when it comes to our body mm. so i think that is something i experienced and then incidentally i also met someone who was a sex educator at the same time while doing some research and glad i'm happy that i met her because that's the first time that word hit my mind that okay is there a profession like this mm. and then i was curious i i i felt and she is a child sexuality educator but then i thought that okay why not bring it to the adult space so i just that was my kind of an invention and now there are many people who are now be trying wanting to become i mean the fact that um adults need it so much right that there there's a there's a market for this right because and and i feel like all over the world right i i think that people need a bit of help on this and they need to talk about it because it's not you know you know i'm in the uk and and it's not there's a lot of things that aren't talked about as well but definitely in india like i've spent loads of time in india you know um and and i i i know that it's really needed and plus because like you know i know that a lot of people still have arranged marriages don't they and mm-hmm. obviously whether you know the person or not that part of your life is still kind of to be discovered and and if people think oh you know i'm a woman i need to please a man and that's all that they know that's that's horrible you know where's the enjoyment for them and you know i i actually had started having because these conversations have always existed in hush tone so i remember uh, 7 9 to 10 years back one of my cousin's sister she got married and she is from a village very like a uh, small town and uh, she got married it was a arranged marriage and she was of course she was virgin mm-hmm. and she had the baby exactly after 9 months so i would just joke around with my mom that they had sex on the first night and you know a woman could be virgin she could have pain i mean i don't know what happened because for me uh, even i say okay it's consenting but i say where is the foreplay where is the seduction where is the wooing uh, mm. it's just uh, i feel that okay people like you know we also talk about uh, hookups and one night stands but in a in a rural context we really can't bring in those uh, urban ideas because the girls she has never encouraged to explore her sexuality and suddenly she has to you know do this on the metal bed i felt sorry for her and the thing is like in your rural setting it's even more difficult because like you're literally living with your parents and whether you know you may not have been allowed out to go out with friends and things like i know what it's like in a city it's quite different and depending on how your family is obviously but you can do things like go out with friends or you know go on girls trips or stay in a hostel and things like that so then it's a bit more freedom right but then if all you know is stay in my parents house then suddenly go to the marital bed that's i mean i don't even know what that would be like and that, and obviously this was like my nanny and everybody and you know mom's generation that's what happened and they were really young and it, i mean it's still happening now right 
yeah yes uh, it it is i tell you recently you know every time even sometimes i question like when people say okay uh, what's the need to talk about sex or who talks about sex or this should not be talked about even i get into a questioning phase even now like at some extent because you know there is no precedent so i say okay is it required and every day i come across stories like i tell you recently i was uh, coaching this client and he talked about his mom so uh, he he the client is in a sexless marriage and uh, so i was talking to him about uh, that you know this uh, he his wife is not interested in sex so i was trying to bring in a uh, uh, like uh, the idea that it's not just about her but the social conditioning around women which makes them feel that it's not so important like they 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 women they don't really enjoy or they have never been a lot to enjoy so it was more like a procreative duty procreation and then after that they had no other agenda so he said that i understand no one understand is better than me because you know one fine day there is this uh, my mom uh, my brother called me and she, he, my brother is in the village and this guy was at that time he was 39 mm-hmm. and uh, so he went back home and his mom was crying and she was in her 60s so she was not telling so he thought that it could be some lady's problem so he took him to a gynecologist where his mom revealed that his dad has a very high sex drive and his dad okay. was 68 and she was 61 or 62 and they said we never thought that there would be a day like this in our life where we have to i mean you know the condescending like to, yeah. and then i say see this is what you are caring for like when you see this as sinful or when you see like okay how you know uh, that ye bhi sunna padega like mm-hmm. i have never thought that i have to face a day like this in my life this is what he said so i said that when you see this and then you are actually you know bearing the repercussions of the same repression exactly i mean there's a film called badaiho i don't know if you've seen it but have you seen it the, there's a older couple let's say in their 50s early 50s or whatever and they get pregnant and then the, they have a, a son i mean this is for people who haven't seen it so they have a grown up son and he's so embarrassed like oh my god my mom and dad are having sex like what the hell and then it takes his girlfriend to say to him look do you not want to have sex in your 50s like is that the kind of life you want to live that you're not going to be a sexual being. I I mean to me it's like if his dad has a high sex drive at 68 like I would personally I would love to have a high sex drive at 68. It's kind of like what we aspire to, right? If both parties are enjoying. That's the main thing, I think. Um I mean like do a lot of married people contact you then? Is that who a lot of your clients are who have issues within the with their marriage? Yes, yes. Yeah. So are these a lot of people in arranged marriages or love marriages or does it matter like do you see different kind of um it's mostly love marriages it's mostly love marriages that is something which even i found it astonishing because i thought it okay in the love marriage but the repression is so high that you know even by indian standards when we think that okay we are having a love marriage by a certain means we have already broken a barrier you know mm. by really going beyond the caste but then also we carry this conditioning especially with when it comes to sex when it comes to uh, you know dealing with relationships where they come with the idea that okay the girl she still has to honor all the like you know the values of treating her in-laws and i think that the same patriarchal values are uh, uh, somewhere the relationship awareness is really missing like the modern relationship they are still trying to use the old world model of relationship which was more of a role driven model to the new world model which is more of a soul driven model so role to role and soul to soul so mm. that's the you know 
dilemma the modern marriage is navigating and i tell them that look at the marriage with a feminist lens and they find it very difficult so what do you mean by that like look at the marriage with a feminist lens what 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 does that mean for people so the template we have for our marriage is our parents marriage like until unless both people uh, consciously decide to you know go over that conditioning because a lot of times like i tell you one of uh, my couples and this is like i've seen almost uh, three to four couples in last one month like this so like whatever i'm saying is basis my like practice you know so this man he said that you know my parents would never fight i have never seen my parents fighting so for him that's the healthy model of uh, relationship now the wife is coming from a place where his her dad is an army officer he's an army so she says that you know my dad has my dad and my mom have fought a lot and they always so you know he kind of uh, um, kind of berates his wife because she fights because he thinks it is unhealthy to fight you should not fight mm. so then i told him that see you and then this this couple had a love marriage so i said you have already not followed your parents template when it comes to choosing your life partner mm. then you also have to move from that model you can't be juxtaposing old model on the new model and try to work it out it won't work you need to have a new model mm. god there's a lot of relationship counseling in what you're doing as well isn't there like mm-hmm. i really do feel that there is um okay so you know people in this country right indians nris and people who are settled in uh, uk america whatever i think we have this romanticized view of indians in india like oh you know everyone is so traditional so sensible um and you know if we want to get our child married to somebody who's good and doesn't sleep around we need to go to india and find somebody from there who's grown up there and uh they will stay virgins until the suhagrat okay and is it actually like that or are people having sex all over the place yeah it is i mean definitely the see a lot of people don't have sex because they don't have the enough opportunities like you know there is a there is a fear of getting spotted especially in the small towns like okay even if you're going on the road with someone there could be some relative who catches you so small town this is a big fear because i did a story and i found that in small towns people are very hesitant and uh, maybe in the metropolitan cities uh, urban cities uh, this is changing a lot of people are having yet uh, when it comes to see a lot of times what happens is uh, there could be commitment issues the relationship did not work out and eventually they go for an arranged marriage which was also in my case and then they kind of uh, you know behave in the way that okay we are still virgins uh so and even i've seen that like for men it is still okay to tell their spouse that i am not a virgin but i have not seen vice versa where a woman says that i'm not a virgin and a man is a virgin because it would still be taken as a matter of pride of how could this happen that the woman is not virgin because i see this i have seen some couples where the couple said that okay this the this person has more sexual experience the man so mostly because i deal with heteronormative couples so i see definitely uh, people are having more more of it but when it even it comes to casual sex committed sex whatsoever kind of sex it is not uh people don't consider it good to really talk about it mm. um even to their respective partners they hide their past with the fear of judgment and the ones who have done it have actually faced a lot of backlash like okay how you know i had one uh, male client from jaipur uh, he was like 26 and he had a girlfriend and they had an excellent relationship very healthy relationship 
uh, he asked both of them asked each other like about sexual history and the, the girl said that she kind of never had any kind of uh, physical contact it was just an emotional contact later she revealed that uh, she had indeed uh, had you know sex with her boyfriend now the man is not able to digest this fact he's like i'm sleeping and i'm fantasizing about them i'm fantasizing fantasizing about my girl having sex with this boy and i'm even thinking what if that boy, boy pleasured her more than me like he was totally totally like you know uh, obsessed with the idea so when he reached out to me i like i told him that see you have to understand that you know you love her for her person and she did not tell you initially because of fear but he said that yes she herself said that i was under fear that i will lose you so you know now that's the that's the stigma that even if something has happened in the past it is still not acceptable and digestible uh, it's it's funny though that if the it's acceptable that the men might not be virgins but then for them to not be virgins they surely would have actually had sex with someone so then who are the women that they are actually having sex with you know they're obviously not virgins so it's take, there's a lot of people that end up not being virgins and that should be okay so there's still that emphasis then put on virginity yeah yes i i do get questions from young women that ma'am uh, what you know would i would our husbands come to know that we are not virgin i said there is no way he can come to know okay okay sure no, because, because you... people think oh you know when you have sex whether it's a sahagrat or after that there's going to be the blood on the sheets and that's how they're going to know that i was a virgin but that obviously that's not true right with everybody yeah 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 even the ruptured hymen like they think that okay this is something that he will get to know that my hymen like you know they and even i had this fear i won't say about any other like i myself mba educated working for 4 years when i got married i was like by all means and you know uh, benchmarks i was this uh, very uh, forward looking uh, urban career oriented woman and then when it came to my own uh, marriage i was having those same fears like okay what do i do i squeeze my vagina when you know my husband uh, want, was trying to enter me because i wanted him to see that okay mm-hmm. tight like you know that's the <laughs> mindset yeah. i had and I, that's no wonder when i see these women I say okay, nothing has changed. See, I I tell you something. Actually, nothing has changed on a family level. I have a lot of interns who are working with me. They none of them have told their families. You know, uh, maybe one or two. I don't know. They never had a discussion. That it usually when you work, you know, with someone, you actually talk a lot about the internship. But none of them have ever spoken to their family members, and they have actually told us. Like once I was transferring stipend to this girl. and somehow she had a fear that she shared her bad account with me and she just called me like okay have you not transferred to this bank i said no i transferred to this she said oh god i thought it's my dad's account and then he had asked from where this money has come from i would i don't know what to say and she's all of nine so what are they saying that they're doing then they're just making something else up that they're not telling them what what they're actually doing they are quite sexually expressive all of these women, girls they you know they they click nude selfies and they they explore a lot of like they have sent some pictures to me as in uh, it's because we we spoke a lot so and they some one of them is bisexual but when it comes to family it's like totally restrictive and when you get married through families unfortunately very few cases the man is liberal enough because if you're going through a family setup i've seen even the best well bred boys kind of relenting under the pressure of like okay the values and the mor- morals and you know 
the do's and the don'ts so mm. even though they understand they appreciate but when it comes to a marriage it's still a social affair so they are like okay let's play by the rules let's not create new rules it's i i can imagine that if you're a guy or even a girl who has had sex and and enjoyed it and then you're going into this marriage for your family which i know a lot of people do and then you're having sex within that marriage like that must be really like the spark may not necessarily be there right if they're doing that and then they know what they've missed out on like like you were saying for yourself you'd have sex you'd have sex before so you know what it what it is and what it feels like right and then you go into this marriage mm-hmm. and then you're like so was yours an arranged marriage the one the yeah, marriage yes and so you yes. went into there and you were you kind of knew what you were missing right yeah but i think uh, once we get into the marriage for every one of us the priority is set like okay it's your home comes first or your family comes first and it's your family is the is the only way you can live in the society so for me it was more of a struggle for a survival like you know it not the survival in the sense of like you know fooding and shelter but in the sense of identity i could not see and uh, see and this is something you know surprisingly i get a lot of women who say we are in toxic relationships i recently coached a doctor she is in states i mean you know when you think of someone who is a doctor who is working in a hospital mm-hmm. and earning well for enough and she says i don't know how i'm going to stay on my own and she is in a three year sex life and she was crying like she was uh, all in tears as she said that you know i have grown fat because i don't want to do anything for my body despite that lot of women are under the fear of loneliness that okay if i leave this person how would i survive Mm. you know it's it's ingrained right in the the psyche right from the childhood and it takes a lot of time to process and kind of you know undo that conditioning which is again a willingness to really confront your fears like can you confront your fears okay what will happen i tell them i was recently counseling this couple uh, uh, coaching this couple who wanted to get into a non monogamous relationship so i said first thing is you need to be okay if that partner leaves would you be able to stay alone if you don't think you can't then don't go into there because there could be a possibility mm. mm-hmm. so because a lot of people are living under fear that okay this is the only person i have so if you think that okay this is the only person you have and you can't live without that person you should be okay by your own like you know i understand relationship is a important bond but can i be just okay on my own if you, a lot of people for them it's not that it's like my identity is totally uh, enmeshed into my partner's identity so i say don't try this out there don't think it's something you have seen in the movies or just because you are curious and uh, don't try so you know there are a lot of nuances also here yeah um so i i hmm. if people are ending up in not everybody but if a lot of people are ending up in marriages where there isn't a sexual spark okay so maybe they didn't explore it before and they found out there's no sexual spark what are people doing then it, are they just are people accepting that do you find that you have a lot of people that come to you saying i can't accept this i t- i can't accept a marriage like this where there is no sexual chemistry what do they do about it i mean uh for ones who do again it's a very uh, rare percentage of uh, even men or women you know either case very very rare percentage who actually walk out of their marriages because they think sex is not uh, sex is not a issue for which one can break the marriage which is wrong you can even seek divorce in a sexless marriage it's a fair grounds of divorce 
but for them it's saying like okay i understand either i may have an extra marital affair or i may watch a lot of porn porn or uh, you know some people just just kind of given like they give i i know people who are in 10 year sexless marriage 11 year sexless marriage and uh, some of them have a fear that you know because women are particularly strong men have this fear that women are strong so they may have the custody of the child or she is financially dependent these are the common reasons men put out of staying for staying in a sexless marriage from women side it's again the shelter uh the the social recognition like one there's this woman who said yeah. that you know my husband is so rich i can't leave this i can't leave all this lavishness yeah she actually said and she had a she had a tinder affair to kind of and she was under guilt also because of which she came and reached out to me so i mean i always tell them that, you know even for some couples i tell them to see you have come to me to save your marriage but remember that not every marriage needs to be saved there are some marriages which are fatally flawed or there are some marriages which are destructive marriages so it's a myth that every marriage needs to be saved at all the cost there could be some healthy separations there could be some new beginning so do you really think that if it has reached a breaking point where you uh, uh, are already uh, that the spouse is totally unrelenting and do you want to continue like there's this woman she came uh, and with a sexless marriage and the problem is the spouse is not wanting to work on it so she had 3 years of sexless marriage and then the, see you can't work on one you can't work on the second person by working yeah. on the mind of the first you need their involvement so the question i said are you ready to spend the remaining of your life like that like you know you already spent 3 years no sex uh, do you want to and they continue and it's basically like they have some hidden benefits uh which is like again as i said like social recognition financial security someone to share there is someone in life low self esteem they have low self esteem so it's a combination of issues like mental health is also a problem you know in our mm. society if if both people both parties are in a sexless marriage or whether sex is not great if both parties are willing to do something about it and they're like oh you know we want to improve this can that spark be created can the sexual chemistry be created Yeah, now chemistry. If we are talking about movies, like if we have seen chemistry, yeah, what is there in the movies? No, that's not the chemistry. So I think I tell them that you know you need to develop your own couple sexual style because every couple is different. So there is no one universal model. You need to have realistic expectations. That what do you? Uh, it's it's not about hot sex always, but it's also about satisfactory sex or comfortable sex or intimate sex. it's also about feeling a uh, close feeling intimate you know we need to have more range more vocabulary in in talking about sex because uh, it's always about hot passionate sex that itself creates so much of pressure of performance yeah. both from the woman to fake orgasm and both from the man to just kind of trust you know for as much as he can so i tell them that it's the, the flexibility is the essence of couple sexuality which is first they have to set realistic expectations they they can because see we have to understand that a lot of us like the phase of falling in love which is that initial yeah. phase of you know but the thing is it cannot last forever so you know you need to have a new uh, way of uh, really uh, seeing how marriage is successful like there is a shared vision you know do you have a shared vision a lot of couples they don't even talk about it they do you have a shared i say what meaning you are bringing to this world together as a couple you know you need to have a shared vision for your marriage uh, what is the meaning of this marriage or uh, uh, i mean you know uh, 
even on a, on your own individual because a lot of things are dependent on the other person like this woman she says okay my husband is not giving me an orgasm i say sorry it's not his responsibility he is there to facilitate it now this woman has never danced in her life like she is so so rigid like you know uh, the body has to be very fluid like it has to uh, move like you need you can move like a mermaid like you don't need to dance or steps but your body has to have uh, should have that fluidity so in terms of like a lot of women when they walk uh, they are like okay someone is staring at us so they don't walk in a sexy way or they don't like you know right now if i if i tell you i am sitting like my legs are like literally like you know like this in india they say okay you have to sit with your knees together yeah so you every way you are packing away your sexuality and then suddenly you expect that okay you go into this bedroom and this person who loves you a lot and who is willing to do everything to get you an orgasm is not able to do it then you are just foregoing your part like can you take a responsibility for your orgasm or rather mm-hmm. just putting it all on the man so what have you done have you educated yourself sexually have you read any book have you talked about it with your girlfriend not nothing and then it it is not about it's not it cannot happen magically like mm-hmm. um you mentioned um a couple of minutes ago something about um pornography now i read somewhere recently that india is one of the highest users of online pornography in the world um and i, I think it was some kind of information from pornhub or something like that i read mm-hmm. uh, like one of the highest users users i mean what effect do you think that that has on normal sex lives if you consume porn and see what is going on or how they do it what effect does that have it has a lot of effect like uh, one thing is that you know you are setting unrealistic expectations you are seeing fantasy entertainment and believing that to be true so for like you know porn is uh, is a scripted version for sex this is not really how the real sex happens real sex mm. can be awkward you know we don't talk about awkwardness we talk about perfection like there has to be perfection like you can't really uh accommodate fluids and parts and you know like uh, yeah. <laughs> like all of it se- seems uh, so so uh, like a kind of uh, a, you know creating a nuisance so i mean one thing is that they expect they have this perfection model of sex like you have to be aroused always yeah there could there are there might be days where you're not aroused but you're just having a cuddle or maybe a very deep intimate sensual uh, touch but they always think that okay you know a lot of couples they stop having sex when they stop having sex they stop having any kind of physical contact because they think any kind of physical contact should lead to sex like okay if i don't have sex and i still have physical contact it's not complete sex you know that's that's the uh, ideology that they have that okay it's, it's not complete or it's not it was not even there so i tell them that no it's not a intercourse is not a pass fail test Okay so I think this is where the porn has done is also uh, uh porn is totally against female sexuality I mean they talk about some feminist porn I have not watched it but what I have watched it's uh, basically it's like you know there are no conversations it's totally nonverbal like you are supposed to automatically you are supposed to know about your partner's pleasure points they don't talk about it. like okay would you like to touch me here or you know like I tell you something I did this course uh, uh from one of the western uh, so they are a sex education company and did this course on intimate touching now the basically it's again a scripted but they wanted to 
create uh, it's more about sex education so the woman is lying naked on the floor and the, mm-hmm. the the partner has come and she said you know what i have a bad day i would just love if you just stroke my upper labia like you know just a little bit here and i was like oh my god this is so beautiful like this these kind of conversations yeah. need to have <laughs> like having a bad day at office can you just so and the and fact that you could say that you know what i mean the fact that you could feel comfortable to say that <laughs> Yeah yeah and and she was like no i'm not liking it much can you just go a little down there yeah yeah yes yes it's just there just there <laughs> like you know they were kind of uh, even trying to understand each other which, which basically creates that space that okay she's trying to say something he's trying to understand and there could be in bond it's like okay it's picture perfect you you are done from start to finish it's just one <laughs> unedited you know performance mm. it it's so ironic though isn't it that in a in a country where you can't really talk about these things as we're talking openly but so many people do watch pornography you know that it is one of the highest um users of pornography like why yes. why do you think that is is it because it's not openly talked about or is it because of the society structure do you think i think a uh, smartphone has given a lot of accessibility to porn because and then a lot of content even you know when we talk about media and films are sexually explicit like i had this couple who said that their kid actually discovered porn on youtube kids okay oh yt wow. kids so yt kids yeah youtube has a separate category and they kind of uh, were playing this game where it was kidnapping and they kind of just while they searched the word kidnapping they just went into this rabbit hole where they discovered whole stash of porn so you know it's it's also sometimes you just inadvertently you're clicking something and you just maybe you're searching you have a biological biology class and you just search the word say uh, maybe uh, you know the female sex or something like you know anything which could be like even uh, uh, it it could be contraception and you never know which they throw up so one is just the accidental discovery of porn by the kids which is happening a lot i i, I have seen couple of uh, Uh, clients uh, who reached out and said that okay my my kid i don't know how he has discovered this like eight year olds nine year olds and this is where it starts secondly it's again like peer to peer because if you don't talk about it with your families or talk about it with your friends or you discover something a lot of them have discovered magazines in their parents like you know from their father i have also yeah. discovered one of those magazines that my father used to read and that's how that was my first so a lot of them have discovered right in their parents homes and then they talk about it you know with your friends mm-hmm. and it just gets kind of chinese whispers <laughs> some i do kind of worry these days about the younger generation because like they are on these devices ipads phones whatever and a lot of the time the parents do let them go on these things for quite a long time and they're unsupervised so they could have access to these things earlier than normal like when do you think is the right time to talk to kids about sex And I, and I and I don't know if they do that at school in India I don't know if they do because here they they do at a certain age 10 11 one thing is to just uh, keep the communication channel open like you know let the kid come and ask you queries because a lot of times they shut down the kids i tell you like masturbation okay kids touching their own genitals like my my son he he has uh, you know he was once touching his penis and my mom screamed like what are you doing and i said I told him that if you go to a private room, you go to your own room, yeah. and you you want to touch yourself, you can touch yourself. And I also told my mom that you know you don't do this. So while it's difficult to make her understand, but I said that you don't do this. Okay, he will go. So a lot of parents do this. 
like they scream when they see the three year olds or four year olds touching them so so they create this fear in the child's mind that he has mm-hmm. done something wrong and that he should not talk about it with your with parents so the next time he will do it out of curiosity but he's not going to tell his parents so mm-hmm. one is to one way is to be approachable for the kid to come and ask any kind of queries and that you need to do by leading by example so like you know if you discover your kid self touching a lot of kids at the age of 3 4 you know they start self touching and for them it's not sex it's there in your mind you think that your child is doing something mm-hmm. for a child it's just exploration of his body mm-hmm. so you don't feed those ideas uh, to the kids that it's strong it's it's one of the ways secondly um, also talk about bodies that okay this is what so my kid says okay mama i have come to the level of your breast so he doesn't have the shame of telling the word breast i remember i could never say that when i was a kid mm. i could say legs fingers neck but breast is something i could never say in my family or uh, which is like breast is still like you know you have you breastfeed so like even socially it is still then also you can't use the word or maybe in the hindi this is tan which is like oh god Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard anybody in my entire family use that word. <laughs> yeah, yes. Even the breastfeeding mothers they can't use it like okay, you know, maybe in the, because yeah. they know this this is a taboo. So I think uh, normalization of the words, normalizing words is important uh, related to body. Uh thirdly if uh, you know you can just talk about the kid with uh, Okay, how is everything? Like, has anyone like I do ask my kids that has anyone touched you inappropriately? You understand? He says no, no, no one has touched me because sexual abuse is quite common. Mm. Uh, then fourthly, also lead by example where you also show your child that uh, you know it's uh, intimacy is important. Like a lot of couples, they say okay, we can't hug each other in front of our kids or we can't kiss each other. You know that kind of they always. Because they, like this particular uh, man, he said, "Okay, one day I just wanted to hug my wife, and I hugged my wife, and the daughter came in at that time, and she said, 'Oh, Papa, what are you doing?' And then wife also kind of snided and uh, gave a sniding remark, and she said, 'See, she's also telling you're doing the wrong things.' <laughs> you know, like even they don't uh, include touch in the family. Like I know so many women who said that even young girls that then dads have never hugged them or they have never seen their parents hugging." or maybe you know a light check on the check or holding hands or maybe sitting closely together you know that kind of intimacy is missing mm. so the child is very curious and the child will go out and at the same time they take these kids to the movies where they show everything yeah yeah exactly exactly i mean i, I remember watching bollywood movies as a kid um where rape scenes were very common it was like prem chopra gulshan grover doing a rape scene in the 80s and 90s very common like now it's less but then they have now they they have yes. kisses and they have like kind of sex scenes right which again you're a bit like oh god i don't want to take my 7 year old to see this so uh it's gone the other way but then maybe that's more healthy than the way it was what do you think i mean uh, certainly like you know but uh, now we have to see that they have got far more accessibility like uh, they even uh, know how to use the credit cards of the parents or they know like all these online passwords and yeah. you know, they do like the, one of the kids they had the their parents uh, like uh, the parents had a kind of filter and they had it in the watched porn so uh, kids know to play around with the technology Yeah. and they do have access to money like they do have they get money and they can ask for money and you know 
there are different ways where kids can also so like i remember one of my uh, uh, friends he is a he he is basically conducts uh, training classes for teachers in the school and he said in this particular school i was visiting they took the kids to a school tour and one of the kids actually using his dad's credit card he booked a place in the same city where he took his classmate to have sex on a school tour so oh, okay <laughs> okay yeah, yeah wow um wow we've talked about a lot of stuff today um i just lastly because this is a podcast about women uh, the last thing i wanted to ask you was how can we uh change things slightly to kind of get men to understand what pleasure what is what is good sex for a woman you know um and even women themselves to understand how can i have a better time sexually so i definitely say it has to start with self awareness unless and until you feel sexually empowered in yourself like can you just walk sexually without looking here and there if someone is watching you or not you know i tell you something i i ha- i had this glass and this is this has my lipstick and i just kept it on my office table as like i should not be ashamed about it because i don't really waste plastic and yeah. today uh, and two days back i had this lipstick so because in my head also the sexual shame because you know it's so ingrained so i saw this lipstick i say okay i'm going to put it and if someone is going to see it they say okay this is inappropriate and i say okay what's there i can still put it on my table mm-hmm. i didn't i mean that's something which is highly individual like there is no sexiness in a cup where you know it has a lip impression like if you can wear a lipstick so you can still have a cup that has a mark of the lipstick. well yeah <laughs> <laughs> like you don't have a shame when you wear a lipstick so why there has to be a shame on the so you know because we feel that every damn time we will be sexualized we just pack away so mm. i would say attack your sexuality touch your body i think for me the real empowerment start happening when i started understanding that this is a pleasure log in my body and i could really feel the pleasure in my body and all i need to do is to communicate it confidently to a man who is a willing listener so you know that thing like i said that this woman she came down and she said okay i'm having a bad day and can you just kind of lick my like you know lick my uh, boobs a little bit like you know this kind of that casual conversation you have without any uh, okay can you do this or like you know they use the word like you know i asked her to do this or that mm-hmm. so there is a lot of uh, i would say it has to start with itself like i'm not even going there i'm asking men to do something about it but i'm asking women to take charge of the sexuality mm. where you need to talk to your girlies you need to talk to your girlies about your sex life can you talk about it most women they don't talk with their female friends about sex so you know then you i think that's one because we talk so much with our friends and that's how we open up i have uh, i had few interns and i could see i had a very different relationship like one of the interns she was very expressive and we were great like you know we had a great camaraderie but she was very discreet because she was working in a sex startup i actually i i tell you i am working with uh, i am beshram as a consultant and they actually we have a coffee uh, kind of a coffee time basically it's a coffee time evening coffee time with entire team gathers uh, you know and they talk so one day we were talking about fantasies and fetishizing okay that's something i would love to work where we they do actually talk for every i was very surprised like a lot of people were Like, okay did you have a threesome so some people said yes some people said we have fantasy some people said no so some people skipped 
so you know it it was so encouraging to see because this is how it's going to happen you need to at some level you need to normalize its existence so mm. talk to your girlfriends about the beliefs or you know what the what are the beliefs that you're growing have grown up and do you still want to carry those beliefs going forward but it is true that a lot of women don't talk about it to their friends because i you know i've got a lot of girlfriends and some of them we talk about everything and some of them are like it's a literally a closed book like they'll never talk about their sex life or then there's some people who think oh no you know they're having more sex than me and they feel bad about it you know what i mean and because like i like i have children and a lot of the people i know have kids and then there is that thing of like oh you know we haven't had sex for like a month because we're so busy with the kids and they're having loads of sex and it makes them feel bad and i, I think mm-hmm. i think maybe that's one of the reasons why people don't yes. talk about it yes yes it's it's one of the reasons comparison and they think that everyone is having more sex than we ha- are having it's not true i mean i tell you uh Uh, the average frequency for a couple uh, to be sexual ranges from once or twice a week to once in two weeks this is the average like once in two weeks is the average and then there are couples who get into uh, three to four weeks which again is like it's very flexible so to each their own i think there is uh, and then when we say sex sex we always mean intercourse like if we kind of really expand the definition of sex where we talk about outercourse talk to your partner about having sex that is not intercourse <laughs> mm, like you know and also the closeness and, and, a, and physical um closeness are you talking about massaging like there are so many things like uh, you know making out like i tell them that okay uh, go uh, you know have a date where you're uh, you're just making out you're not doing anything and and just don't think that okay this is incomplete the idea they think that okay it's, it's a part of a foreplay which has to do with something you know which has to end up with a man's ejaculation that idea that it is always always linked where it, it take away the beauty that even if i had it you know it's not enough it has to be done mm. so the idea is it's enough like <laughs> yeah i think that's really important because you're right it is like all oh, sex isn't sex until the man has had an ejaculation or somebody's had an orgasm and that's it Yes, yeah. that is, that's yeah. so true. Um, I lied; that wasn't the last question. I've got one more question, and the question is: Are things changing in India? These kind of attitudes towards sex, and how can we kind of change them a little bit? They are changing, but uh, I mean, uh, by and large, it's still there is a lot of uh, fear. You know, it's more of a fear-based uh, uh, climate. I would say fear-based. It's, it's coming from fear, not from a place of a fear and judgment. So. a lot of people just think that okay if in, if they are okay with the thought not all the members in the family would be okay and they have their kids like one of these uh, men uh, he said that okay i have a history which i would never want my kids to know and i tell him that you also have to understand that your kid is stepping in a world which is far more liberal than you had if mm. you as a 47 year old man had done all this which is like a series of extramarital affairs and maybe bdsm and porn and you know Uh, what not so and then your kids are already growing up in a tender generation so you even though you want to shelter them from all the things uh, you are ex- you are assuming that you know this will not happen so i would say at least to a level you introduce your you know maybe i'm not talking about revealing an extra metal affair but also because it's not black and white see we always try to put this as a it is either yeah. good or bad it's mostly gray hmm. things are mostly gray so the day our society starts accepting this that you know we don't operate in black and white like either 
if she talks about sex then she is in black and i don't talk about sex then i am white i mean most people are grey like almost everyone is a grey personality that's how life is shades of grey it's 50 shades of grey <laughs> So true. Yeah. Well, we, um, um, it's been so interesting talking to you. Um, thanks for taking the time out to talk to me. Um, it's been really, really good. And if people are listening and they want to find out a bit more about you, what you do, and also maybe possibly approach you with questions that they're too embarrassed to ask anyone else, what, how, what's the best way to find out a bit more about you and get in touch? Uh, it's my email ID, pallavi at the rate getintimacy.com or you can search by my name on Instagram. I'm quite active on my social media handles. Okay. Thank you so much, Balavi. And thank you everybody for listening. I hope that you found that as interesting as I did. And we do need to talk about these things, you know, so please share it, share the love, share this podcast with people. Um, follow this, um, subscribe if you haven't already and try and leave a nice review on Apple podcast so that more people discover the podcast. That's all from me and Balavi this episode until next week. Have fun and be safe. Bye.